You stand at the entrance to the Iron Mountains, a range of jagged peaks that stretch high into the sky. The air is thin and cold, and the ground beneath your feet is rocky and uneven. The entrance to the caverns is dark and foreboding, with an eerie silence that seems to hang in the air. As you approach the entrance, you notice a large boulder blocking the way. It looks like it's been deliberately placed there to stop anyone from entering the caverns. We have a few options here. Yeah, we could try to move the boulder ourselves. We could look for an alternative entrance to the caverns. Or we could investigate the boulder more closely. <laughs> I, I do like investigating boulders when I'm out for walks. Well, I mean, so, that's uh, true. Yeah. You know, we might find a nice little fossil or something like that. I'm not sure how that helps us get into the cavern, but, you know, point of interest. Maybe one of the seven dwarfs, again, uh, is, a, is some sort of qualified geologist and might be able to offer some insights okay. here on, yeah. you know, boulder science, because that's <laughs> another word for geology. <laughs> One of the dwarfs, named Oryx Stonefist, raises his hand and says, I know a bit about boulders. I've worked in a quarry for most of my life and I've studied the way they break and fracture. So he walks up to a nearby boulder and inspects it closely, tapping on it with a small hammer. This one seems solid enough, he says. <laughs> what a terrible insight. <laughs> this boulder is solid. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Oryx. <laughs> But we should be careful. Some of these boulders can be quite unstable. If we're not careful, we could trigger a, ta- a cave-in. <laughs> Again, we could have probably came up with that yeah, ourselves, yeah. couldn't we, no, without we his boulder sign? <laughs> we didn't need his geological knowledge. He looks at you and the rest of the party. If we're going to be moving through these caves, we need to be careful about where we step and how we move. And we should be ready to move quickly if things go wrong. What do you think we should do next? <laughs> What utterly bland insights there. <laughs> I wonder, um, not to push Oric back to the end of the queue here, yeah. but um, could he speculate on... Because did it say that the boulder looks like it had been put there? Mm-hmm. Like what sort of creature... Maybe that's not his area expertise, because he clearly doesn't have any <laughs> anyway, but I wonder what sort of creature could have moved it. Like what would have the strength... Yeah, maybe instead of Oric, we need one of the dwarves to be a massive, sinister creature scientist. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Um, Oric thinks for a moment and responds, It could be a troll. They're known for their strength and their fondness for causing trouble. They might have moved this boulder here just to create an obstacle for travellers. <laughs> one of the other dwarves chimes in, but it could be a giant. They're even stronger than trolls, and they're known to throw boulders for fun. Another dwarf adds, It could also be a stone golem. Their creatures made entirely out of rock, so moving boulders would be easy for them. <laughs> Overall, the dwarves agree that there are several possible creatures that could have placed the boulder in this way, but it's difficult to know for sure. Yeah, thanks, dwarves. <laughs> okay, anyway, I, su- I suppose that was perhaps a, an unfair question. <laughs> Okay, yeah, Stone Golem, interesting. Alright, what we're going to do, we're just trying to get out of the way. Have we got any spells we can blast out of the way with? What are you, What's your um, magical capabilities? Because mine's is illusion, but yeah. presumably that's a bit useless here. Did you not say you were some sort of, like, not Templar, but like... Um, yeah, I was I was a, a healing uh, what like a yeah a paladin paladin or a cleric was it a paladin? Yeah, I think I was a paladin. Okay, so as a paladin, uh, 
One such ability is Divine Smite, which can be used to deal extra damage to a creature or object. So I could divinely smite a boulder. I'll That's you. rhyming slang, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm away for a divine smite. <laughs> Um, alternatively, I could use my lay hands ability to heal my party and give them extra strength to move the boulder. Huh. Another option is to find a steed, which summons a loyal mount, which could potentially help me move them. That's interesting. So I could find steed, find a horse, and get the horse to move the boulder. Hmm. Wonder if the find steed spell is actually going to summon goblet the drunken goat. Yeah, true. You pull it out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, or, um, I mean, is uh, Grimaud anywhere nearby? Is he actually our steed? I think he's always there, yeah. So he could probably, yeah, he could probably just move it. <laughs> okay, I do, I'm going to use the fine steed and I'm going to set it so that fine steed does uh, summon the goat. Okay. You begin casting the fine steed spell, calling forth Goblet, the drunken goat, to aid you. The spell is successful and Goblet appears beside you, swaying unsteadily on his hooves. You and the dwarves begin to strategize, with Goblet seemingly uninterested in helping, after all. Eventually, you come up with a plan to tie ropes around the boulder and have Goblet pull from the other side. As you all work to implement the plan, you hear a low growling noise coming from deep within the mountain. Suddenly, a group of gnolls burst forth from the darkness, drawn by the commotion. They rush towards you and the dwarves, weapons drawn. We, you quickly realize you must fend them off while simultaneously trying to move the boat. How did they get out if we haven't moved the boulder yet? What's happened here? Clever knows. <laughs> anyway, the maybe very small. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, they've got through the cracks in the side. The battle is fierce, with Goblet drunkenly charging into the fray alongside <laughs> you. <laughs> After some time, you're able to defeat the gnolls, but not without sustaining some injuries. As you regroup, you realise that the boulder has not moved an inch, and you're no closer to obtaining the heart of the mountain. It seems that you will need to come up with a new plan to overcome this obstacle. <laughs> okay, I've got I've got a solution here. Okay, okay. So, one of the gnolls, we defeated the gnolls, yep. didn't say we killed them all. Yeah. So we've got a slightly injured and defeated gnoll mm -hmm. that we could take captive. His name is Noel Edmonds, <laughs> and we are going to find out basically how they got out and passed the boulder, because if they got out, we could get in. <laughs> okay. So I've said, we've got a defeated gnoll, which we've captured, who's called Noel Edmonds, obviously. We ask him how they got out, since the boulder was never removed, and as far as we know, that's the only entrance we can see. So Noel Edmonds, look up, look... <laughs> what a great sentence. <laughs> Noel Edmonds looks up at you with a mixture of fear and resentment. He scoffs and sneers. You think you're so clever, don't you? You've got it all figured out, but you've no idea what you're dealing with. The gnolls are stronger than you. We'll never reveal our secrets to the likes of you. Despite your attempts to persuade him, Noel Edmonds remains stubborn and refuses to share any information with you. Do you think we should threaten him with, uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll get Mr. Blobby or... Uh... <laughs> Threatening him with um, putting him uh, back in the house that he was trapped in for years for his house party. Uh, <laughs> and he's got to run a whole bunch of uh, game show games again for 20 years. Dungeon people and interviewing shit celebrities. Yeah, yeah. This is great for our American audience who have absolutely no idea who Noel Edmonds is. <laughs> <laughs> 90s Saturday night British television. Yeah, exactly. Look up Noel Edmonds and, and uh, marvel at the beard. <laughs> have we got anything on us that 
that um, Noel Edmonds might like. Is there oh, anything we could bribe mm. him with, or um, yeah. maybe as an illusionist spell, I could like create a highlight reel of his '90s TV shows and just uh, you know get him into good spirits. Okay. Matthew focuses his magic powers and creates an illusory screen where Noel Edmonds can see his favourite TV shows. The screen shows a mix of fantasy and reality shows, including Goblin Boss, a reality show about goblin trials competing to become the strongest and most cunning in the land. I'd watch that. Oh wait, this is it. Game of Bones, a gritty medieval drama about the power struggles between rival factions fighting for control of the kingdom. And then you've got The Great Troll Bake Off, a cooking competition featuring a panel of judges made up of famous fantasy creatures. I presume uh, the vegan Griffin would be in there as one of the, yeah. the judges. Mm. Uh, being a vegan, being a you know a very foodie type of person. Uh, then we've got Dancing with the Werewolves, which is a dancing competition show featuring contestants who transform into werewolves during their performances. <laughs> Uh, so Noel Edmonds' eyes light up as he sees his favourite shows and he becomes so engrossed in the illusion that he forgets his surroundings for a while. He seems to be enjoying the shows and forgets about the situation he's in for a brief moment. <laughs> I just <laughs> forgot about the situation. No help to us whatsoever. Well, so, so, but if he's distracted and out of the situation, so should we, that means um, while he's distracted and um, forgets that we're his enemies... Uh, We'll ask him how to get into the mountain. Okay. Noel Edmonds is still a bit groggy from the mesmerising TV shows, but he seems to be cooperative enough to answer your question. He tells you that there's a secret entrance to the mountain and that it can all be opened with a special key. The key is said to be guarded by a powerful creature known as the Stone Guardian, who lives deep within the mountain. According to Noel Edmonds, the only way to defeat the Stone Guardian is to claim the key, oh, and claim the key, is by using a special weapon called the Hammer of the Mountain, which is said to be hidden in a nearby cave system. However, Noel Edmonds warns you that even with the Hammer of the Mountain, defeating the Stone Guardian will not be easy. The creature is incredibly powerful and has the ability to control the very Earth itself. It's said to be virtually invincible, except for one weakness, a small crystal that's lodged in its forehead. As Noel Edmonds finishes his explanation, he looks around and suddenly realises the situation he's in. He tries to make a run for it, but he's quickly apprehended by the group. We're just accumulating a long list of <laughs> like, different caverns with different things yeah. of the mountain that you need yeah. to get. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, his explanation here doesn't really wash because the Noel's just the Noel's just emerged. Like they didn't have this, did they? No. <laughs> no, they did not. I mean, this has nothing to do with. Um, I mean, yeah. Did they have the special key? Is that what we need to ask him? Does he have the special key on him? <laughs> but he's saying that we have to defeat the thingy. That uh, yeah. Noel Edmonds tells you that he doesn't have the key on him. He explains that the key is held by the chief Noel, who resides deep in the mountain along with the rest of the tribe. He warns you that the chief Noel is pure, fierce, and powerful. And you'll need to be very careful. We're not getting very far here. There's <laughs> just loads of different keys and crystals <laughs> and stuff. Could we just say to Noel, how did you get out here? And can we go in the way you came out? <laughs> out here. And can we go in the way you got out? 
Okay. Noel Edmonds tells you that he and his gang got out <laughs> through a secret tunnel that leads to the other side of the mountain. He doesn't have the key to the entrance, but he knows where it's hidden. He tells you that the key is hidden in a nearby cave that's guarded. All right, here, here we go. Oh, a cave Jesus we can actually get into. Christ. <laughs> the key is hidden in a nearby cave that's guarded by a group of giant spiders. The spiders are very aggressive and territorial and will attack anyone who enters their territory. Noel says that he could lead you to the cave, but only if you promise to spare his life and let him go free once you have what you need. All right, here's one we can actually use. So we're going to ignore the stone guardians. We're going to ignore the fierce and uh, uh, angry like chief of the gnolls. We'll just go and defeat some spiders instead. Yeah. Noel Edmonds leads you through a narrow and winding tunnel that eventually opens up into a large cavernous space. The air is thick with the scent of damp earth and minerals, and the ground beneath your feet is rocky and uneven. As you follow Noel Edmonds deeper into the cave, you come across a number of branching paths and dead ends. He seems to know exactly where he's going though, leading you steadily onwards. Eventually, you come to a large, ornate door carved into the stone. Noel Edmonds produces a key from his pocket and unlocks it, gesturing for you to follow. Did that hold out the key you after get all? That key? Yeah. <laughs> and also, what do spiders need with big doors? And keys. They're, yeah. <laughs> do spiders have fingers? Can you hold a key in a, like six legs? Um, the room beyond is dimly lit by a series of flickering torches, and the walls are lined with shelves full of strange and arcane artifacts. In the centre of the room stands a large stone pedestal, upon which sits a glowing crystal heart. The heart of the mountain! What? <laughs> so the initial thing we came to look for, which is an ingredient, is now a... We've accidentally found it nice. in this, what I thought was the spider's lair, yep. and it's a crystal. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, here we are, I suppose. I mean, this is, it's just how good we are here. It's just, you know, we just stumble across success. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> anyway, Noel Edmonds looks nervously around the room, then steps forward and grabs the heart from the pedestal. What are you doing, Noel? <laughs> Stay in your lane, Noel. <laughs> As he does. We need to change his name to Indiana. Indiana Edmonds. As he does, the room begins to shake and rumble, and a loud, ominous cracking sound fills the air. Suddenly the ground beneath your feet gives way and you all tumble into darkness. I don't know why Noel did that. What do you know? Right, so apparently we're tumbling into darkness. Do we have a decision to make here or what? I suppose we can cast spells or whatever, eh? Uh, right, what have we got? So, I don't think as paladins I have anything that can like arrest a fall or anything like that. Like you've got spells like feather fall and things like that. As an illusionist, can you cast it in solid? What about on the way down, mm -hmm. on the fall down? Yep. yep. We ask Noel Edmonds and one of the dwarves to brainstorm some ideas in which we might break or fall. <laughs> Put together a, an action committee. <laughs> Should we chuck Grimo into that committee too? Oh yeah. Definitely. Okay, here we go. As you fall, you quickly gather Noel Edmonds and one of the dwarfs and Grimmel to brainstorm some ideas on how to break or stop your fall. Noel Edmonds suggests using some makeshift parachutes made from the cloth from the sacks they were carrying, while the dwarf proposes creating a slide made from some of the ice in the cavern. Hmm, good idea, dwarf. 
Uh, Grimmel, on the other hand, thinks that using his brute strength will slow the fall by grabbing onto the sides of the cavern. That would be his best option. As the brainstorming session continues, you realise that time is running out and you need a plan quickly. With no other ideas coming to mind, you decide to assign the action committee to create a report on the most feasible options for breaking the fall. Noel Edmonds starts drafting the report, while the dwarf gathers some materials to make the makeshift parachutes. Grimmel positions himself to grab onto the side of the cavern and slow the fall. The report is completed just in time as you approach the bottom of the cavern. Noel Edmonds reads the report out loud as you all try to implement the suggested strategies. The makeshift parachutes work surprisingly well, while the dwarf's slide end up causing more harm than good. Grimaud manages to slow the fall, but not enough to prevent some injuries. In the end, the action committee's report proved to be helpful, but not foolproof. You all land on the ground with a thud, but at least you're still alive. I mean, all things considered, that went pretty well. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to know. I want to know how the slide. How did the slide do more harm than good? What happened? As the group as the group reached the end of the slide, they were launched out into a large underground chamber. The sudden stop caused them to tumble and crash into each other, causing some injuries. Additionally, the, cha the chamber was filled with jagged rocks and debris, and some of the group landed on them, causing further injuries. The impact of the landing also caused a small earthquake, which caused some rocks to fall from the ceiling, narrowly missing the group. Overall, while the slide may have been a fun way to enter the chamber, it ultimately caused more harm than good. Okay. Well, I mean, did it? Because we were falling anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm interested to know what our list of injuries are and also I'm curious not to dwell on the past because there's mm -hmm. nothing we could do about it now but why did Noel Edmonds go and grab that crystal in, in the first place okay cool yeah I mean I do appreciate his work on the report but as you take stock of your injuries you realise that Colin has a twisted ankle Matthew has a cut in his forehead and one of the dwarfs has a broken arm Grimaud's okay as his wolf form helped cushion the fall you ask Noel Edmonds why he grabbed the crystal so impulsively, and he responds, It's the only thing that gives me any power in this world. I needed it to prove to my tribe that I'm still worthy of being their leader. Oh, oh so he was the leader. <laughs> what? Hold out. He was talking about some fierce and, uh, and angry leader somewhere else, and it turns out yeah. it's him. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right, so we're in the bottom of a cavern. We've got a dwarf with a broken arm. Yeah. It's not yeah. great. Yeah, should we patch up his arm first? Yeah, I wonder if any other um, oh, I've got my magic. or doctors. Yeah, I've got, I'm a paladin, that means I've got some healing magic. True, true that. Alright, using your healing powers you manage to mend most of the injuries that you and your companions sustained. However, some of the injuries are more serious and require further... What? Why? I think my forehead scratch is probably yeah. beyond That's true. magical healing. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, right, so what's the situation in this cavern? Right, as you look around, you see that you're in a large open cavern with walls that are made of jagged rocks and stalactites hanging from the ceiling like menacing teeth. The air is damp and heavy, and the floor is littered with loose rocks and boulders. In the centre of the room, you see a large crystal that glows with another otherworldly light. Its surface is smooth and flawless and it seems to pulse. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> is this another... Is this... Is this a different 
Crystal. I noticed the Edmonds is all over it again. Yeah, totally. Yeah, do you want me to? Right, so Noel Edmonds looks at the crystal with a hungry gleam in his eye. I grabbed the crystal because I thought it might fetch a good price on the black market. But now that I see it up close, I can sense that it's more valuable than I ever could have imagined. With this crystal in my possession, I could become the most powerful Noel in the land. If that's not the crystal we need, we could just give him it and uh, get him to help us out, I suppose. Yeah, true. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I don't want it. <laughs> Um, as we approach this crystal in the centre of the room, we feel a faint hum in the air, and a strange energy seems to emanate from the crystal. So, shall we ask if we actually have the heart of the mountain then? Yeah, because he grabbed it, then we fell down here. Presumably it's still with us. Chris, right, so do we have the heart of the mountain? Can we get it from Noel and give him the other crystal? He's just a crystal hoarder, isn't he? He totally is, yeah. Magpie Noel. Noel Edmonds hands over the heart of the mountain to you. He seems pleased that the other crystal um, has been given to him, but he's also cautious, eyeing you all warily. You now have the heart of the mountain in your possession, and you can feel its powerful energy coursing through your veins. It's a small glowing crystal, but it's packed with a tremendous amount of magical energy. As you hold it, you hear a faint voice in your mind. It's Aradia calling to you through the crystal. She tells you that you've completed the first step of the quest, but that the road ahead will be perilous. You'll need to use the heart of the mountain to perform a powerful spell, one that will allow us to locate the lost city of Eldor. But to do that, you'll need to venture deep into enemy territory and face the full might of Necrotus and his minions. Aradia tells you to stay strong and to trust in your companions. She believes that together you can overcome any obstacle and defeat Necrotus once and for all. I like how to learn the location of Eldor, we've got to go and defeat the guy that we're finding there in the first in place. Eldor. <laughs> you know. I'm wondering as well, you know, we've talked a bit like in previous episodes about these fantasy tropes and cliches. Yeah. And it, it it loves to it loves to invent crystals. I wonder if going forward, yeah. Each time it wants to invent a crystal, it could be like, I don't know, a courgette or something. Maybe instead of finding all these crystals, it's yeah. like magical courgettes. Please never use crystals as uh, an object of desire. Please use something a bit more unusual. Yeah. Right. So we've successfully obtained the heart of the mountain from the first cavern. But as we try to make our way out of the mountain, we find that the paths are now more treacherous than ever. The ground shakes beneath our feet and rocks tumble down from the cavern walls. We hear a low growling in the distance and the faint sounds of scurrying feet. As we continue to make our way through the winding tunnels, we come to a fork in the path. To our left, the path seems to go on forever, leading deeper into the mountain. To our right, we can see a faint glow coming from around the corner. What do you do? The only member of the party that's potentially got any knowledge is again the star of the show this episode, Noel Edmonds, isn't it? Yeah, but true, he, he could true. he could he could deceive us as well because he's obsessed with crystals. Yeah, true. Okay, let's ask Noel if he knows what the glow might be. Noel Edmonds scratches his head and says, hmm, well, it could be any number of things. The Iron Mountains are full of surprises, you know. Maybe it's a rare minimal or mineral deposit or a strange fungus. Or perhaps it's something more magical. He looks around nervously, then leans in closer to you. I've heard stories of a powerful wizard who lives deep in the heart of these mountains. 
They say he has the ability to harness the energy of the Earth itself, and that his magic glows like the sun. Some say he's a force for good, others say he's a madman bent on destruction. Of course, it's all just rumours and hearsay, but if there's one thing I've learned in my time in these mountains, it's that the unexpected is always just around the corner. Surely that makes it expected, then. <laughs> the expected unexpected. Noel's turning out to be all sorts of uh, wise here, eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, is it worth asking the dwarfs? I mean, dwarfs know caves. Yeah, they know tunnels, don't they? Classic yeah. miners. Yeah, so. totally. The dwarfs huddle together, discussing the situation. Oryx speaks up. If we're trying to find a way out of here, it's best to follow the water flow. It always leads to an exit or a larger body of water. Borin nods in agreement. That's a great dwarf name, Borin. Borin nods in agreement. Aye, we should keep an eye out for any signs of dwarven mining. There may be abandoned tunnels or shafts we can use to our advantage. The other dwarfs chime in, suggesting ways to navigate through the cavern, such as following the direction of the wind or using their keen sense of smell. They also warn of potential dangers. As a group, you follow the dwarf's advice and begin to navigate through the caverns. You move carefully, watching your step and keeping a sharp eye out for any signs of danger. The glow in the distance grows brighter as you move closer, and soon you come upon a large chamber with a pool of glowing water at its centre. As you approach the pool, you hear a low growling noise coming from the shadows. You draw your weapons and prepare for a fight. Suddenly a creature emerges from the darkness. It's a massive, glowing salamander with fiery red eyes and razor-sharp teeth. It emerges from the lava pool, eyes locking onto the party. Its scales go- oh, it's lava. Nice. Its scales glow with a fierce heat, and its long tail lashes back and forth in anticipation. You can feel the intense heat emanating from its body, making it difficult to even breathe. 